Jordan. Eon. Who has eight nipples, the faces for radio, the voices for silent movies, and after one whole year, is finally getting the hang of this podcast jazz. My dad. No. Two guys. What? <laughs> And welcome to episode 52 of Two Guys What's Up, the weekly comedy podcast where I'm joined by the yin to my yang, the heads to my tails, the one who's done so well to have put up with me for a whole year now, Jordan! Jordan, how are you? I've got a headache. <laughs> I can imagine. I shout a lot. <laughs> you do, but I love you for it. <laughs> I'm really good, thank you. And by the way, can I just say... Hit me. Pinch punch, first day of the month, no returns. Oh, fucking... And actually, extra pinch punch first day of the year, no returns. Oh, shit, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, well, it is now. It is now. No so returns. everyone out there, go and pinch and punch your friends. <laughs> yeah, but say no returns. And uh, obviously blame Jordan. No, don't blame me. <laughs> so yeah, Happy New Year, first of all. It's nice to be in 2024. But with that, Jordan, we are celebrating one year of Two Guys What's Up and the anniversary of episode one. Crazy mental, isn't it? I mean, no, that's what people describe us as. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah, my mistake. I, I refuse to read the review, so I wouldn't know that. Oh, yeah, your mum and dad text me all the time. <laughs> Crazy, that, mate. <laughs> Utter <laughs> shit, actually. <laughs> but quick side note, over on the Patreon, December's bonus episode, episode six, was a little yearly wrap-up. We take a little walk down memory lane and we re-listen to bits of episode one. We talk about the bit we liked the most and the bits that we thought were shit. Which was most of it, to be fair. Which was pretty much all of it, yep. We catch up on some old points throughout the last year that we felt we needed updating on, and it's an emotional episode that allowed us to reflect and see how far we've come. It was emotional. I cried a lot. It was, yeah. I mean, that is really worth the £3 if you want to hear Jordan cry. Uh, yeah, yeah. For three hours, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unconsolable. <laughs> Couldn't stop him. <laughs> as well as the other five bonus episodes you get on there. That is true, yeah. I don't cry in those. No, thank you. <laughs> Much. That's you. But Jordan, just before we jump into things, on the subject of New Year's, I know we're only one day into the whole New Year, New Me goal thing, but how is it going for you? Severely hungover. Yeah, oh well, that's a fair point. I mean, it is only the first day. I think you have every right. But um, has your wife <laughs> has your wife tried to kill you yet? Normally quite regularly. At least, you know, sometimes her words are like knives. Okay, well, yeah, obviously. But I mean, physically, you know, with the... Uh... With food or anything like that, no? Not yet. Okay, well, I mean, is that not part of the dieting thing? What, the sort of, like, the... The, the murderous rage, well, as you'll see, the, the tagging in things that might kill you. I never put two and two together. Okay, well, let me explain. Okay. It seems that my wife might just hate me then, because she tagged me in a recipe this morning. So, <laughs> before I even started watching it, I was expecting it to be something like low-fat soft cheese on celery with cracked black pepper, or a delicious smoothie to keep you full all day. But no... It was a recipe for Granny's homemade tablet. Wait, do you, do you mean like an electronic tablet or an I, actual pill? <laughs> I did wonder if you might think that, you know, being such a youngster. But what I mean is the Scottish confectionery. I have no idea what that is. Have you never heard of it? It's like no. fudge, but like crumbly. It sounds good, though. It's fucking amazing, right? But um, you'll hear why. My, it seems like my wife is trying to kill me. Right. Because obviously she knows we're doing this whole diet thing. And it contains arsenic. No arsenic, mate. The ingredients are as follows. A cup of whole milk. <laughs> one kilogram of sugar. Per bite. <laughs> per bite, it does seem. 250 grams of butter. A tin of condensed milk. One tablespoon of golden syrup. Yeah, because it's not sweet enough. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a teaspoon of vanilla extract, just to add that little bit of extra, I don't know, expensive so it's spice. sugar. It's just sugar on fucking, like, sugar. With butter. That sounds beautiful. Well, it does, right? It is amazing. I've had tablets. I think they sell it 
you know, in local shops. So it's not like a delicacy you only get from up north. But right. it's just when I was watching this video and this woman poured an entire fucking bag of granulated sugar into this <laughs> one cup of milk. One, like this size. Literally like a cup measurement. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So not like just like, you know, you, you find a cup in your cupboard, you fill it with milk. It's like the American style wow. one cup. So here's the thing, right? Even if you poured granulated sugar into a empty cup, yep. you're going to have like five cups worth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just turns to syrup. It just all like congeals wow. and f***ing. It's awful. Yeah. But uh, that's what she tagged me in on this day that she knows we're trying to lose some weight she's like oh by the way how about this uh, horrible sugary fat inducing death diet that sounds great sign me up yeah we're making it this week i'll bring you some over <laughs> perfect thanks <laughs> i can't believe that a five to one ratio of sugar to milk yeah fucking wow crazy. i'll show you the video later yeah oh, please yeah i'll probably eat your phone <laughs> just drool it over let me at it it's a different sort of tablet then isn't it <laughs> But we do have some regular content coming up for you today. So, Jordan, what have you got coming up for us? Well, it is New Year's, Mm -hmm. so I thought I'll compile a list from the internet of New Year's horror stories. Brilliant. So, people's worst New Year's experiences. Fantastic. (laughs) My thought was, you know, there might be some sort of kind of sad people that maybe haven't done very much at New Year's, felt maybe a little bit lonely, and actually... After they've heard these stories, they might think, bloody hell, I'm glad I didn't even bother going out. Yeah. (laughs) Best to play on the safe side. Exactly. So that's what I'll be going into. Do you want to hear my uh, worst New Year's story? Go on. Uh, Well, you know everyone, uh, you're supposed to kiss at midnight? Yes. The the bell struck, uh, I turned around to find my wife, and she was um, kissing the sofa instead. (laughs) She told me she would much prefer to snog the dirty sofa than come near me. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) This is just before she died and decided to make you a tablet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just off to the kitchen to make you some tablet, darling. (laughs) Rubbing hands together like an evil genius. Uh, (laughs) Literally, maybe the icing on the cake. (laughs) You'll be the f***ing rose on my coffin. <laughs> you certainly wouldn't want icing sugar on top of a tablet, though, would you? <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> it's a bite of diabetes. Oh, it sounds like it, mate. F***ing grim. Oh. So, that's what I'm doing. What on earth are you doing for us on this New Year's episode, Ian? Well, Jordan, do you remember once upon a time when I told you about the bizarre phenomena, the Oz effect, and where it gets its name from? Uh, vaguely. I mean, it's been a year. It hasn't. It's been about four weeks. <laughs> it was the, I've um, slept many times. It was the time slip episode when we were talking about Liverpool, and I told you about the Oz effect where things go quiet. Yes. It was mentioned in a book called High Strangeness. A Lifetime of Alien and Paranormal Encounters. So I finally got round to finishing it, and that is what I'm going to be telling you about today. Go for it. First off the bat, Jordan, let me tell you. When I finished reading this book, the first thought I had was, shit, I'm actually going to have to read through it and tell it on the podcast because I mentioned that I was going to do it now. It's your own fault. Yep, I do wish I'd read it before saying that I was going to be doing it because, and I'm not trying to be mean to the author, but when this guy writes, he spends far too long setting the scene. I understand he's trying to give you a bit of a mental picture about what he's describing, but he describes every f***ing detail down to the colour of the bowl he was eating cereal from when he was 15. And no, Jordan, that's not an over-exaggeration. That detail is in the book. This is not a book to give to your father. (laughs) Yes. I'll sit down. Aye, and then it started raining at 4.15. It's getting angrier. Aye, <laughs> aye, and then, and then the f***ing TV turned off. Oh, can I take the shit anymore, son? <laughs> this is just the prologue as well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I started writing this book. F***! <laughs> 
115 pages in and chapter one begins. <laughs> oh, God. Poor dad. Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, true to bad form, conclusions first. And Jordan, I will come back to you at the end for yours. But I think this man has done something that I've often said is something someone could do that gives you good reason to not believe every purported paranormal encounter that you read. And that thing is, if you know the phenomena inside out, you could easily create a story hitting all the points that are common and make people go, well, he's saying the right things. So, for example, if I wrote a book saying I was abducted by a crab that spoke Spanish, people might go, yeah, sure, what a f***ing nutcase. But if I said, Grace came through the wall, said nice things, said they weren't going to hurt me, and then abducted me and stuck something up my nose, some people who might believe in these things might take that as another possible true encounter, even if it really never happened. I'm just writing what I know. I get that. You're writing what people would expect to hear on the subject. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So if I hit all the correct points, people might then go, well, you know, it could be another credible case because he's saying the right things. Yep. That makes sense. So long story short, it's easy to write a believable story and sell a book if you know what you're talking about, and that's the kind of impression I get from this guy. Oh, really? Yes, and I'll explain why as we go through. But okay. anyway, I will still tell you some points that stood out to me, and I will let you make your own mind up. I, I think you've already made it up for me, to be fair. <laughs> well, you never know. Once you hear the stories, you might just be like, Ian, you're a f***ing idiot. This guy is genuine. Well, I'll say the first bit regardless, but... <laughs> <laughs> Alien. Is that what I said? I can't even remember. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Is that what I said? <laughs> I have to check that back in the idiot. <laughs> Love it. Oh, God, I am an idiot. I have to check that back in the edit. Point proven. So it was written by a man called Michael Cameron. London-born, and in this book, he is telling us the personal strange stories of experiences that has followed him around, focusing primarily on his younger years. The first chapter is called Location is Key, and it was literally three pages on the history of the house, which is an old schoolhouse. He tells us when it was built, every bit of the history, and how his father came to be the caretaker of the school, which is how he wound up living on the grounds. But what he didn't say, I'm gathering, judging from the title of this chapter, is that given the history of this place, it might be prone to all manner of spooky things such as hauntings. So in the very next chapter, he goes on to say that as he was entering the world, his grand was leaving, meaning that she died around the same time that he was born. He says his parents would often feel cold spots in the house. They would be awoken to the rhythmic creaking of her favourite rocking chair, making them think that Granny must still be about, letting them know that she's saying hi. How delightful. Huh? Yeah? Nice, Jordan. Creepy. No, it's lovely. Little Granny saying hi. Well, it seems like Granny had a little bit of a vendetta against the family, because he also mentions in the very next line how a heavy oak wardrobe was toppled on the bed of one of his sleeping brothers, and that his other brother was attacked and pushed downstairs while casually walking to his bedroom. Yeah, but in fairness, the grand didn't like the uh, grandsons at all. Yeah, they were just little shits, and they used to beat them in life with like a fing, like, <laughs> chasing them around the garden with a broom, like, like one of those old Tom and Jerry cartoons. <laughs> yeah, perfect. But she did say it on her deathbed. One day I'll have you. <laughs> Watch your back, kids. <laughs> Luckily, none of the brothers were seriously hurt, but maybe he meant to explain that there were multiple entities, but he didn't say that, so it really sounds like Grandma was often around, sitting in a favourite chair, beating the grandkids. What bitch. When Michael was still a child, his dad seems to have been a pretty big badass, though, because Mike details a very specific way his dad once used to halt the nuisance ghosty antics. All this Grandma banging... <laughs> 
That's not a place to pause. When I wrote that, I knew you were going to pick up on that, you know. I thought, John's going to have day trip with that. All this grandma banging about, is that better? Yeah, that works. Smashing. Was getting to a point where it was frustrating and causing lack of sleep. Numerous hunts around the house to find the source of the noise led to nothing, and it was driving them all up the fucking wall. So after nights of being kept awake, our old pal Mikey's dad was like, enough of this. He got out of bed, went to the top of the stairs, looked down and shouted, shut the fuck up. It's simple but effective. Hey, because it worked. One final bang sounded and then the noise stopped. Yeah, that's really good. And I mean, most people cower away from ghosts. You know, they hear the noise, they're like, oh, what's that? But this guy just went to the top of the stairs. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's like those old kind of like when in Russia memes, isn't it? Whereas <laughs> the ghosts are scared of him now. Yeah. <laughs> that last bang was just a final communication of sorry. Yeah. <laughs> One bang for sorry, two bangs for no. <laughs> One bang for sorry, two bangs for sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no choice. <laughs> They did later resort to conventional methods, like getting a priest to bless the house, which seemed to help, but this left young Michael questioning, was he the cause of all this poltergeist activity? Which is a common thing in poltergeist cases, but he doesn't really give reason as to why he thought it was him, as it is usually teenagers that are said to cause it with all the horrors of puberty, and things like that causing psychokinetic energy to cause poltergeist activity. But remember, in this instance, he was five. So, I don't know if that's maybe just a fact he knew. He's like, oh, it's supposed to centre around kids, I'll put that, it's my fault but didn't actually realise that it was supposed to centre around teenagers and all the angst and all that stuff that is produced when you're you're growing up and going through the bodily changes into an adult. Yeah, and also it seems like then he's covering all bases, isn't he? Exactly, yeah. So it could be either or. Yeah. Could be my ground. Could be me. Could be nothing. Yeah. So onwards and upwards, all done and dusted. Ghosties are no more. But then Michael says that when he was about four years old, he was in his room playing with two of his friends when he heard his mum coming up the stairs. She came into his room and she asked him just who the f***ing hell he was talking to. And he was like, bloody hell, mum, are you blind? These two. And as he looked back, pointed at where his friends were sat, much to his surprise, they were no longer there. He said he couldn't quite understand where they'd gone and his mum was just like, mm, okay, whatever, pal, have fun, and left. But he says the strange thing is that his imaginary friends, who he'd been playing with just moments earlier, weren't children, but adults which is creepy in itself. But these adults would visit him often. They had long blonde hair, piercing blue eyes, they were slender, had tiny noses, and defined mouths. They wouldn't talk to him via speech, but rather used telepathy, so that he'd hear them in his head, and they wore tight-fitted blue outfits. So it seems that they weren't simply adults, but stereotypical Nordic-type aliens. Ah, like the ones whose nipple fell off. Uh, kind of. I think they were supposed to have been hybrids, or just ah. fakes. Because oh, okay. Nordics are pretty much, as, as I say in a second, they're pretty much, like, cool. I think oh, that seems okay. to be pretty alright. Oh, so they were imposters. Yes. Mm, okay. These buggers would periodically show up, and he pointed out that the Nordic visitors left him feeling a sense of trauma, but he had no memory of anything that they ever did that would have caused him this, And the strange thing is to point out here that, as I said before, the Nordics are generally meant to be seen as quite benevolent, so I'm not sure what's going on. Unless it's a screen memory by the Greys to maybe just throw him off kilter a bit. Mm, Well, that's an awful thought. Mm. Skip forward a few years. He was in school during the holidays, running around the empty halls with some friends playing hide-and-seek while his dad was working. It was his turn to hide, and he could hear his friend counting. But when his friend got to five, all of a sudden... Everything went quiet. He exited his hiding spot, expecting to see his friend waiting to jump out of the shadows and catch him, but instead, he just saw him stood motionless. He approached his friend, who was muttering, What is that? And when Mike reached his side, 
He looked over to what he was looking at, and he too froze, because standing in the room in front of them was a f***ing alien grey. He said it was seven foot tall, with all the features that we know and f***ing despise, spindly body, big head, big black wraparound eyes. He said it was just stood there watching them, and reading this even gave me shivers, because it's so jarring to think that you're in an enclosed space with one of these f***ing creatures just stood in front of you. What would you do if you saw that? You know my plan. Why do you ask me? Keel over and die. No, shit myself and then give him your number. <laughs> All right, okay. And then keel over and die. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Combine the two. Seems like a good idea. If you do the last bit before the number bit. Okay. That would be ideal. So like sandwich it so shit yourself, die. <laughs> and then give it, hey, you tricked me. <laughs> You're Use that piece of paper to to wipe yourself down. Scribble out your number. Yeah, that's all right. Smearing <laughs> shit. <laughs> then can we give it back to you? <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. In a moment, something snapped, and they both bolted away, only to find their dad coming in the opposite direction. Upon seeing how distressed the two boys were, decided to go and check it out. But sadly, the search came up empty. And I'd just like to point out as well. At this point, while I was reading and writing this part, at 39 minutes past midnight, my youngest decided it would be a good idea to get out of bed and start banging around in his bedroom, scaring the absolute shit out of me. (laughs) I can imagine that. And there's a picture in the book as well of it. So it terrified me, naturally, because I was was reading it with this fucking alien looking at me, and then all of a sudden I heard the upstairs door just go, start opening, and I was just like, what the fuck is that? But then obviously he can't get out of his room anymore. So he just started banging about his room and I was just like, I know it's I know it's my son. Calm down. It's not a fucking alien. But obviously I prefer to be in the darkness because like right. if, if I'm ever on my own, the lights are off because I just prefer darkness. You're your own worst enemy. Yeah, I know. I set myself up for these things. I just didn't expect my son to be getting up at 20 to 1 in the morning. Like, oh, morning, guys. Oh, is it time for coffee or what? Is he stuck on a wash yet? <laughs> he did again the other day. Did he? Yeah. <laughs> He was in the bathroom, just milling around as I was brushing my teeth. Thing is, I don't know how he knows to turn the dial and then press the button. Probably seen it done enough. Well, no, because we, ne- we never teach him things like that. He just f***ing does it. Yeah, no, but if he's kind of followed your wife, maybe while she sets a load on, he's probably just seen it a bunch. It's just, I mean, like, you know, we sit there and go, Daddy, Mummy, you know, trying to teach him things, and he'll just go, blah, 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 blah. But you put a washing on once, and he's like, yeah, mate, don't worry, I'll stick the load in. Powder, all that shit. Yep. Hour wash, 40 degrees, hit start, hangs it up for you afterwards. <laughs> now, the next chapter we come to is entitled Men in Black. And there's a couple of things that Mikey writes here that makes me really begin to think that he is talking books. One, he starts the chapter by saying, One autumn, I can only assume the men in black were there, as they usually are, to intimidate a witness, i.e. Mike, or discuss a recent encounter. So what, at MIB HQ, they were just sat around a table having a little conversation, and one guy was like, right, we need to go and get this kid and talk about that alien he saw in the summer holidays. And the boss goes, nah, give it a few months actually. You know, because in that time, you could have gone to every single news outlet, he could have right. done anything, he had gone on, well, the internet wasn't around in the 70s, was it? But, you know, he could have told everyone from fucking uh, Scotland to the Isle of the Thing at the one at the bottom. <laughs> Isle of White? That's the one thing. I always get the Isle of White and man mixed up, so ah. I'm glad you're here, Jordan. But, Thanks. you know, what I'm saying is he could have spread the word a bit about it. Usually the men in black are there to say, don't tell anyone about your alien encounter. Yeah, and these pretty guys, early on. Yeah, and these guys are just like, nah, just give it a while. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. 
just a kid. But two, he's talking about being a child here. And Jordan, uh, can you tell me what ensemble your dad wore on August the 16th, 2000, please? Um, it was some like, no, of course I can't. Okay, I presumed you might not be able to. But he writes here, expecting to convince us all... Dad was wearing a light blue jumper, white shirt, and a yellow blue tie and brown trousers. Right, so that just sounds like the classic making things up because you <laughs> feel like you need to Prove give it. more detail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also, is that any relevance to the story? I'm assuming it is not at all. Absolutely not. It, w- it won't be like, yeah, the alien came back and stole his light blue jumper and his white <laughs> shirt. The aliens attacked me that day because they didn't like my dad's trousers. <laughs> Which, as I told you before, we're brown. <laughs> Just only on the back, though. Yeah. <laughs> I'm his dad. It's me. <laughs> But yeah, it's just absolutely, completely irrelevant information, and no one can remember that right. from, you know, 30, 40 years ago. I would say probably, even if you had a traumatic event in your life, I don't think you'd maybe remember things like that. That's the thing, I mean, this is before the Men in Black even showed up. It's not like the Men in Black was under the table prodding him, going, oh, don't talk about aliens, you know, and he's looking <laughs> at his dad and memorising what he's wearing as it's happening. Hey, you know, maybe he kept a diary every day. It was like, today my dad wore shorts <laughs> with the Reebok shoes. <laughs> Possibly, yeah, that's, that's a very big possibility. But, I mean, anyone that documents what... I mean, both parents would be strange, but to, just to document what one parent wore on every single day of your life might be a little bit weird. Paul Buggeroo found that diary. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see what Mike's been doing. <laughs> today my dad ate toast for breakfast. He was wearing slippers, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we always told him not to. Yeah, we always told him, Dad, put on the dressing gown I got you for Christmas, please. Shots I like the breeze. <laughs> he says that after his family left for the day, he was alone and doing dishes when he saw something move out the corner of his eye from an adjacent room. He froze, but moved just his eyes trying to see what was moving. And holy fucking balls, it was a classic man in black. Black suit, dark glasses, pale skin, just stood there looking at him. Michael got the sense that he was in danger, and the guy's intention was to harm him. He looked away for a second, and when he looked back, the guy had disappeared. Again, dad to the rescue, slightly too late, did a search, yielded nada. Do you reckon really dad's in on it, and he just wants to be the, the hero all the time? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> so he just has his friends up, like, go on, scare Michael. <laughs> You know. That's a very big possibility, yeah. That yeah. reminds me, you know, of um, my wife's brother. Okay. Uh, when when he was young, he was really naughty one Christmas. Mm-hmm. And my wife's dad ended up secretly phoning one of his colleagues <laughs> and said, just call me in five minutes, pretend to be Santa Claus, and just go with me. Right. And so he ends up calling in the earshot of his son. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, uh, Santa's calling. And he's like, y- yeah, yeah. Uh, he is here. What, do you want to speak to him? Yeah, he's not been very good at all. <laughs> and apparently Santa yeah. really told him off. Wow. And he was he was great for about a week. <laughs> I just imagine, like, your wife's dad's friend sort of not being in on the full thing, right? So he just says, yeah, just call me. And he's like, okay, yeah. So he calls him. And he's just taking cue from what your wife's dad's saying. Oh, you want to talk to him? And he's like, yeah, yeah, sure, fair enough. And then he gets on the phone. He's like, listen here, you look fucking shit. You fuck up your ideas, yeah? You fucking hear me? Didn't realise it was on loudspeaker. <laughs> Santa will take your legs. <laughs> It'll take your fucking legs, mate, if you don't buck up your idea. You'll be able to pull your socks up your fucking, you'll have no legs. 
，所以累的就噗噗噗长着。That'd be really good. Oh god! You should start a service like that. Okay. Um, yeah. Done. Let's do it for next yeah, year. Absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, just email two guys. What's up? Give me your mobile number. I'll send you a text. Venmo me two hundred quid. I'll call your kid. <laughs> be horrible to them down the phone. Pretend to be Santa. <laughs> Easy peasy. He'll do it for free. Uh, yeah. F- yeah. There you go. I'll do it for milk and cookies. Like like a true Santa. There you go. Business is open. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So in this very same chapter, but with no indication of a timescale, whether it be the same night or a month later, he described how he used to always check under his bed to make sure there was nothing lurking, waiting for the perfect opportunity to grab him. One night, he was laying in bed and hearing a breathing sound in his room, but not just in his room, coming from underneath his bed. He tried to wake his brother, who shared the room with him, but to no avail. So he decided to check out himself. He lowered his head to be able to see what was under there and caught sight of something. He was unsure of what it was, but it was shimmering in the darkness. It had claws, red glowing eyes, and was crawling straight towards him. Awful. Yeah, I mean, that'd be pretty terrifying, Creepy. wouldn't it? Yeah. The next stop is an interesting one, and it brings up a subject that we haven't actually mentioned before, I don't think, Jordan. He says in 1974, he was startled awake because he felt himself being rolled over onto his back. And wouldn't you know it, the greys are back. He found himself floating above his bed, and one of the grey bastards stood around him, but oddly, he found himself being placed onto a stretcher. Now, as I was reading this, I was thinking, huh? That's not the generic thing we hear about alien abduction stories. They float you out or they portal you to the craft or whatever, but he also points out the exact same thing, which leads him to ponder whether or not this was a MyLab abduction. Do you know what that is? Jordan? Not a clue. And I've just said my lab abduction, but that's very similar to saying ATM machine because the ab in that means abduction. So what oh. it is, is a military abduction. Oh. And there are a few theories of what a my lab might be. One is that a military group do it either to be able to experiment on humans and blame the aliens. Another one that is proposed is that the government want people to hate and fear aliens. So when they come to reveal themselves to us, we've learned to hate them and get behind the war that has been waged by the government. And thirdly, is that the aliens and the humans are simply working together. It's their version of a night out to the cinema. Nice little day out to experiment on the humans. Right. That does make sense, yeah. So similarly, when he was 16, in 1984, he says after a late night walk, he decided to return home in the early hours of the morning. He was laid on his sofa, he was relaxing and looking forward to bed, and made a move to head upstairs. Suddenly, he got the thought to return downstairs, so he did. He laid back on the sofa, and was all of a sudden rendered immobile. A grey alien entered his vision, and using a wand, began performing surgery on his mouth, cutting into his gums. There was a second alien staring into his eyes, trying to keep him calm, and oddly, there is an illustration in the book depicting some of the scenes. The alien is depicted in this book, doing the thing with the wand, and he looks pretty damn sexy. Okay. Just look at this f***ing alien, Jordan. Is he saying an alien looks like me? Just you wait till you see it, Bob. And when you get it, I'd just like you to describe it for us. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, pretty damn hot, eh? So, <laughs> very slender, chiselled. Oh, yeah. Pulling a pose. <laughs> yeah. It lo- that's Literally sm- holding a wand. That smouldering look in the eyes with the pursed lips. That kind of like, ooh. Come to bed eyes, they are. <laughs> yeah. I've been scared of them all my life, and that's the first time I've ever whacked over a grey. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's all it took. If they all looked like that, mate, I'd be fine. As aliens go, that's not a bad looker. Stick a wig on it. You don't even need to. (laughs) So chapter 18 is a whopping one page and five lines long. 
He describes one Friday night where after getting a glass of orange juice, he left the kitchen, got to the stairs and started to head up to his room when he was affronted by a monk wearing a robe that obscured its face. The entity turned its head slightly to reveal its face. It wasn't a monk. It was a grey. And is that where it ends? Yeah, that's the story. But wow, okay. Did he also say what his dad was wearing? It did in that one. I think it's probably why it was so short. He just put in the actual f***ing bit that happened. Right. <laughs> Actually, to be honest, no, he didn't. <laughs> he, he explains a massive bit about how he used to like orange juice and he'd put them into ice cubes and he'd let them dissolve in the summer and stuff like that. And then that's how he leads on to like, the last five pages where he's like, went to the kitchen, went back to my room. Alien. Wow. So fast forward a few years. It's Christmas Eve. Everyone is rushing around doing prep. He was laid in bed when suddenly he heard noises coming from his parents' room where he was sure that there was no one. His curiosity got the better of him and he decided to go check out what was going on in there and what was creeping about. He says that as he reached the door, he reached out his hand but suddenly stopped and got an overwhelming feeling to return to bed. So he did. And what's funny is, the way it came across is that this entity, whatever it was, didn't want him to see what his parents had gotten him for Christmas as a gift which turned out to be a tabletop pool table. That's a really cool gift. A pretty cool gift for the 70s, isn't it? But he says it was in the room, and it was under a tarpaulin. So if he had entered, he would have ruined the surprise. The entity even went so far as to follow him back to his room, almost to ensure he stayed there. So what? Paranormal entities like to preserve the magic of Christmas? That's pretty cool. Maybe it was an elf. Possibly. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? I mean, why would he have drawn him into the room in the first place, though? You could have just not... <laughs> that's true yeah. very good point they're not very clever elves magical but idiots so he goes on to say another common trope and that is that his parents had also had encounters with aliens in their early years meaning that this activity follows family lines which is something that you commonly hear from alien encounters so again i just want to point out that he ticked every box he sold a book the forward was written by paul sinclair no less the author of truth proof uh, which we've covered okay. a few times God knows how much they paid him to do that. But I'm sorry I had to put you all through that. Lesson learned. And Jordan, I'm dying to know what you think. Total believer, obviously. Yeah? Yeah, you no doubt. You've head over heels in love with that one, have you? No doubt. Well then, I'll let him know. The evidence is just overwhelming. overflowing. Yeah. I mean, that's only a few stories from the book, so there's more in there. I mean, you really make me want to read every single long chapter. I'll bring it round, mate. <laughs> well, I'll we'll have a read. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a little book club. Just for you, I'll cut out all the, the fluff, you know, where he just describes what he was wearing and how many hairs were on his ears that morning. And uh, I'll bring around the six pages so you can read it. Brilliant. How, how many pages was this, roughly? Uh, about 160, I believe. So that could very much have been condensed to at least a third of that. Oh, yeah. If not a couple of lines. Yeah. Or maybe just a little uh, snippet in a podcast. Yeah. You know, just go around, uh, tell a couple stories, the end. But yeah, that is it for Michael Cameron's story. I appreciate the retelling all the same and doing your absolute best to cut the fluff. Doing the absolute best to get through any of them lines in one go. Yeah. Right, Jordan. Fill my ears with goodness. So glad you said that. <laughs> Just push the mic over and stand up, start marching over. <laughs> so, Ian. Yes. New Year's horror stories. Personally, I've never really done a whole lot on New Year's Eve. And if you are like me as you're listening to this, and you also have very few plans, please just allow me to share you a couple of stories of some of the internet's worst New Year's. Can I just cut in one mm. second? I'm sorry, I know I've just spoken for 45 minutes and you're probably sick of my voice, but this was something that when I moved to England was so jarring to me. Because I'm from Scotland, and in Scotland they celebrate Hogmanay. 
in right. New Year's. And it was always a massive thing. Like, I, I remember the excitement in the air when I was young, and my parents would make a massive fucking buffet. We'd um, be having, like, drinks and stuff. I mean, I didn't drink alcohol, obviously. But, um, you know, I was allowed to stay up late, which I loved, and I got to watch the bells, and we did this thing called First Footing, where um, you knock on the door, and the first person to come through the door brings whiskey and coal, which symbolizes warmth and prosperity and stuff like that. And it was all it was always amazing. And we always used to go for a walk about one in the morning, you know, to see the New Year in. Nice. And it was lovely. Right. And I came to England and I was like, all right, guys, what are you doing for fucking New Year's, pal? Where's the party at? And everyone's like, oh, mate, yeah, the party will be in bed about 10 o'clock because that's where we're going. You fucking weirdo. And I was like, what? Right. And my wife isn't a drinker. You know, not that New Year's implies that you have to get fucking smashed off your tits. But, you know, I'm like, right, wife, what are we doing this New Year's? Are you going to stay up with me? She's like, I'll stay up till the bells and then I'll go to bed. And you can just, you know, go go to your parents or something. Or I think she's actually going out this New Year's. Funny oh, enough, right. she's going out to watch a Queen tribute act, I believe. With oh, so sisters. not even with you? No, oh, God, no. Never do anything with me. But, um, yeah, normally it's a case of I'll see the bells in just to keep you happy and then I'll go to bed. And I just usually sit on the sofa just drinking myself into a stupor. <laughs> You just open your door and let yourself in. I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I do what my parents used to do, just to keep up the tradition. Uh, I knock on the door and I go, fuck off, you're not welcome here anymore. And I'm like, please, mum and dad, let me in. Like, Get out here, you, you hairy bastard. I think it's really clever how much you also record that into your phone to play it back. Yeah, well, yeah, I've got to get the, the memories, you know. Yeah. I've got to relive it as best I can. It Absolutely. wouldn't be New Year's without it. Uh, definitely. But sorry, I, I cut in. <laughs> Continue. No, that is absolutely fine. So if you are like me from plain old England (laughs) and you do very little for New Year's and maybe you feel a little bit sad about that and you feel like you're missing out, just like Ian's described there, well, maybe it could have been a lot worse, as these examples will show. Show me. So starting off, on New Year's, I started making out with my girlfriend. I was way too drunk (laughs) and she was into it way more than usual. Okay. She thought it was someone else. Well, I ended up stretching her blouse down in public and licking her breasts. I then noticed her nipples were very different. Oh, God. (laughs) My now ex-girlfriend was watching five metres away from us. (laughs) The girl I was... The girl I was... <laughs> doesn't seem to mind. I had no idea who she was. Uh, new girlfriend by the sounds of it. <laughs> Possibly. Another one. It was New Year's Eve. I borrowed my friend's trousers and I shit in them. <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Just can't go to go to the toilet. It's two minutes till the bells start going, so you know you can't waste time going to the toilet. Maybe that's what he calls it. <laughs> it's bell time. <laughs> It's certainly loud enough. (laughs) This other one, uh, short and sweet, it reads simply, 1999, I cut the power as soon as the clock hit midnight. Very clever. (laughs) Start running around screaming, Y2K! (laughs) I could imagine that happening at a party. When my wife was having her Hindu, she had her sisters round to our house, and I uh, stayed away for the night at my parents. But I can control my living room light on my phone. And they were talking about ghost stories and things, and I decided to go, boop, turn the light off. (laughs) You should start flicking them. (laughs) Well, all of them. (laughs) (laughs) You should start turning the lights on and off. I think my wife would have appreciated that. Well, this other guy was titty licking. Yeah, I should have taken note from him. 
So yeah, I turned the lights off and freaked them out. Brilliant. Oh, love it. Uh, apparently, uh, my sister-in-law, my now sister-in-law, almost left because she sh** herself. Not, not like... <laughs> not like borrowing trousers, sh** yourself. Just uh, terrified, sh** right. Brilliant. <laughs> Another one. When I was a kid, my dad drunkenly decided to test to see if the pepper spray worked. He tested it inside. Turns out it worked fine. <laughs> To cover up his poor decision, he heavily sprayed air freshener into the room. Nothing says bringing in the new year like standing outside in the snow waiting for your house to air out. <laughs> Only to find everybody was then locked outside by the closing sliding door. <laughs> Did they great. ever get back inside? Or I'm assuming so. I mean, maybe they froze to death at this point. <laughs> if the locking sliding door closed, did it just happen to close just as they left? So all the time they were out there, they were locked outside and the house wasn't actually even airing out. <laughs> That's a very good point. <laughs> that is a very good point. <laughs> so when they finally get in, they just walk in, they get smacked in the face by pepper spray. Or when the locksmith finally gets them in. Yeah, it's like, in you go, go. <laughs> <laughs> like, biggest prank going. Yeah. <laughs> you get <laughs> I'm allergic to pepper spray. He dies. Door locks. <laughs> it's like, sorry, mate, we'd call an ambulance, but you're the only locksmith in the area. <laughs> yeah, with my phone's locked in the house. I can't get to it now. He's <laughs> choking away. Uh, Moving on. It's New Year's Day, and my roommate just kicked a guy out. out, (laughs) It's New Year's Day, and my roommate just kicked a guy out of our house because he fell down the stairs. I feel really bad for him. (laughs) Like, there's no context to that. Only that there's this poor guy that starts falling down the fucking stairs, and to make matters worse, he then gets kicked out for it. Is um rather than getting picked up and like, oh mate, you're alright, take a seat. It's what the f are you doing? Get out <laughs> Don't have your salt round here. When you started laughing then I just thought you were gonna say it's New Year's Day and my friend just got kicked. I thought that was it. <laughs> he would have probably appreciated that more actually. Possibly, at least he could have yeah. stayed. Yeah, at least just a little kick in shin yeah. and then go to the buffet, you're all good. It'd have been fine. Last year, I was in a band, and we'd recently got a super good-looking female drummer. (laughs) She was short, blonde, super smart, very cute, and had glasses. In brackets, it's my thing. (laughs) Anyway, she randomly texts me, and I go to a party at her place. I get there and get a huge hug. I can feel the other guys in the room jealously staring at me. Her and I go to talk for a while, and she says she's surprised I came. I asked why, and her response was, I'm just trying to go with the flow. I move in for a kiss, and the countdown begins. New Year's. Yes. Everything is good. We're dancing and drinking, but then she has an episode. Turns out she's a violent bipolar schizophrenic. Oh, no. She came at me with a knife, had to get her restrained while they got her her meds. That was not how I envisioned this would play out. Oh, my God. So there, yeah, proves my point. If you're at home feeling like, yeah, they could have done so much more this year. Yeah. Just think of that. You could be out almost getting stabbed. Yeah. So much better to chill out at home. But to be honest, I mean, if he likes this girl, you know, is that enough to put him off forever? It did go on to say, if I remember right, that they were together for two years, but it just never really worked. Okay. Uh, Another one. We were having a house party when a friend's wife slipped off the back of our hot tub and got wedged between the hot tub and the house. Oh, my God. (laughs) 
almost had to call the fire brigade to get her out. She was so embarrassed, she even tore a ligament in her knee in an attempt to get herself out. Alcohol was, in fact, a factor. It pushed her. (laughs) But it does go on to say, an important detail that I forgot to mention was that it was minus 10 degrees C out that night, so we had to keep pouring warm hot tub water on her so she didn't freeze. Hell. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. And imagine the emergency services are pretty busy. Yes, on New Year's. Yeah, with all I them think... stabbings and that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All the locksmiths dropping dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was all the same street. Another one says, I came down with a case from the norovirus. At first I thought I just drank too much, vomiting, but then the other end started to rumble and I knew I was in trouble. Uh-oh. It lasted for two days. The worst time ever. Happy New Year to me. So yeah, just everyone again, stay at home. You can New just be Year's. ill as fuck, yeah. At least if you're ill and you're at home, then you can quickly nip to the bog. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Little toilet trip, easy peasy. But if you're out in the middle of a packed bar at 2am and all of a sudden you feel that rumble... That's not good, is it? Too difficult to get to the toilet. That's how you end up in your pants. Your, your friend's borrowed trousers. Because <laughs> you'd already done it once before on your own. I leaned in to kiss this super attractive stranger at the strike of midnight, and surprisingly she went for it, but then proceeded to vomit in my mouth, oh, no. all over my face. Projectile vomit, to be accurate. <laughs> it was awful. New Year's. <laughs> That's one of your favourite things, isn't it? Getting vomited in the mouth. That made me feel, like, really sick when yeah. I heard that. Okay, well, at least I know what to bring up next time you show me a picture of an alien. <laughs> Out of the blue. Just, just like, start standing up, running over to you, my fingers down my throat. Like, Take this, Jordan! <laughs> <laughs> Holding, like, your top and bottom jaw open with the teeth. <laughs> Oh, God. (laughs) I think I'll leave you with the final one. I think maybe the craziest of them all, and I I don't know if it's real. Mm -hmm. I sort of hope that it isn't, but I have a feeling it is. Okay, I'm very excited to hear where this one goes. (laughs) So, it reads, Paula. God damn it, Paula. She was a friend of a friend. Invited a few people over for New Year's Eve. Her condo had a great view of where there would be fireworks. Her brother was there, along with his boyfriend. Come midnight, everyone's a little bit trashed. Someone mentions that the third floor balcony would have a great view of the fireworks, so everybody rushes up there. Turns out Paula, her brother, and her brother's boyfriend decided to have a threesome. Oh my god. <laughs> I was right wait, behind... Wait, 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 wait. Say, say, say the three again, who, who was involved? Paula. Her yeah. brother. Her her own brother. Her own brother. For sake, Paula. Yeah, God damn it, Paula. And? And her brother's boyfriend. Okay. Yeah. Right, got it, I'm on board. So, apparently... Not with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you on the story. I'm not judging. <laughs> I was right behind my girlfriend at the time as she opened the door to that bedroom right in front of me. Paula was getting it from both ends. My God. Brother and boyfriend. Fucking hell. <laughs> we watched the fireworks from the street. Paula, no. <laughs> think it's too late stop it paula <laughs> it doesn't specify what ends with who take your brother out of you god damn it paula just let your brother and his boyfriend have their own peace oh dear yeah so um yeah i i imagine that probably is true but i kind of hope it wasn't yeah absolutely you, you don't want to be thinking that sort of shit's going on <laughs> happy new year what a way to let the new year in that's what they called a brother <laughs> oh, god Uh, 
<laughs> oh dear. But yes, there you have it. Some of the internet's New Year's horror stories. I hope you all feel a little bit better. But if by some miracle you end up having an equally bad of experience, <laughs> as these guys did, well, hopefully not the last one. Hopefully not the last one. Please do let us know at twoguyswhatsup at gmail.com. Yes. We would love to hear about it. Well, to a degree. Yeah. Grief shared is grief halved. Exactly. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Jordan. It makes me feel a lot better that I actually just stayed in last night. I'm sure it does. I'm glad my wife went to that Queen concert. <laughs> Could have been worse. She did come back with shitty pants and vomit in the mouth, though. <laughs> well, that about brings us round to the end of today's fantastical, special birthday, New Year's, amazing episode? I think it does. Brilliant! Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Two Guys What's Up. Don't forget to follow the show wherever you listen to us so you don't miss another episode and maybe even tell a friend. Take your friend into the bedroom that leads to the third balcony to watch the fireworks. And um, just be a bit cautious when you open the door, because Paula might be in there. <laughs> but um, as you walk in, just shout, Hey Siri, play Two Guys What's Up, and listen to our latest episodes. Great plan. It will at least ride over the audio from Paula. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll definitely uh, drown out the... <laughs> <laughs> The gurgling sounds and... Lovely. But if you'd like to get in touch with us, our Linktree link is in the bio of this episode, which, if you click on, you will be taken to a super secret website that gives you access to every link you will ever need for your Two Guys What's Up essentials. Want to get your own Two Guys What's Up t-shirt? Click the link. Want to discuss this book with me in great detail? Click the link. Want to ask if we do private pies? And don't forget we have a Patreon where you can find all of your Two Guys What's Up extras, including pin badges, shoutouts, t-shirts, and if you really can't get enough of our fantastic tales and voices, well now you can get more because we now release bonus episodes which come out on the last Friday of every month. There is currently six sitting up there waiting for your ears to just gobble up the extra audio goodness. And all that is available right now, starting with the bonus episodes, for just £3 a month. So if you want to help support the show and get some cool stuff while you do it, head over to patreon.com forward slash two guys what's up to check it out. The link will be, of course, down below for your claggedy cloop pleasure. But if you can't do that, but you'd still like to help us out, then a five-star rating and review in your podcast app of choice would be the best way to do that, and we would be eternally grateful. Indeed we would. But on that note, thanks for listening, guys. Here's to another year. You guys have an amazing week, and we will see you next Monday! Oh, Paula, stop. Your dad would be ripping what little bit of hair he has left out. <laughs> I think he's bald. He's completely made head to toe now. Last time I saw him, he was on his little toe. Bing, bing. He's pulling them out. <laughs> I looked at him. I was like, Dad, what are you doing? He's like, I've nothing left, Paul. <laughs>